When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the Blocking Charge Cast, sport imitates life as what felt like a proletariat revolution in the NCAA tournament ends with two-seed Duke, one-seed Kansas, two-seed Villanova, and eight-seed North Carolina in the Final Four, which makes UNC the neoliberal team in the field, the, the, the Cinderella, this week on the Blocking Charge Cast. Your source for big gun targets of tackle empire. Welcome to the Blocking Charge Cast, uh, where I guess there's no more Big Ten basketball teams alive for us to talk about, but that's okay because it's basically the offseason anyway. We're here on SB Nation's home for all things Big Ten, uh, Off Tackle Empire, and uh, I'm Lini Partisan, Steve Braun, aka Jordan's I'm joined by, once again, Michigan State guy, Jesse, and uh, I guess at least the... Uh, at least the end of Cinderella season was uh, over quickly once it got going. Yeah, it is worth pointing out that in the women's bracket, the Michigan women's team will tip off with Louisville uh, a little bit later tonight. So I promise the reason I don't care about that isn't because I don't care about women's sports. It's because I root for Illinois. My team just <laughs> had a Hall of Fame coach retire after going 7-77 seven and 77 in Big Ten play. So, like... I don't care at all. <laughs> yeah, and any any person around here who pretends that they care about Michigan women's basketball is even less ingenuous than they were when they pretended they cared about the Michigan baseball team, which they've also forgotten exists, even though they're still good. Um, Nas Holman's incredible, but... Well, hockey did not manage to blow a 4 nothing lead to Quinnipiac. Yeah, they tried, but they didn't. Uh, and then... You know, on the women's bracket, they're playing a one seed, which means they're going to lose almost certainly because they're not two seed UConn, which is the only team that's capable of beating a one seed and probably the chalkiest sport that exists and, you know, will likely remain so for the indefinite future because there's such terrible balance issues on the women's side. Uh, But anyway, as you mentioned, we are relieved of the burden of watching any more Big Ten postseason basketball as Michigan and Purdue both did us the favor of bowing out in the round of 16, snuffing out any premature hopes that might otherwise have existed of a truly deep tournament run. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll take them in order. So again, Michigan, just a reminder, did not deserve to be in the field at all. 17 wins in the regular season. Um, Got their sweet 16 matchup with Villanova. Eventually, they were going to see a good team. It wasn't actually going to be given to them the way the first weekend was. Well, and look, Tennessee was on paper a really good team, but there are so few storylines that actually have a big enough sample size to be reliable narratives in the tournament. One of them is Fran McCaffrey, and the other is Rick Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, Rick Barnes is capable of losing to anybody. He's By the time he's done, he's going to have the infinity gauntlet of losing to every seed i'm convinced of it so just yeah he didn't get any help seed this year seed. he'd already had an 11 in his back pocket so michigan yeah. didn't do anything to help him out here 
Watch out for the for the time Tennessee gets a one seed though, because you're going to see another 16-1 upset. That's going to happen. Um, so Michigan in this game came in with a huge front court advantage because again Dickinson and Diabate. That's going to be a front court that very few teams can go toe to toe with. They won the rebounding battle, not decisively, but they did win it. They only turned it over eight times and somehow still only scored 55 points against a good defensive team in Villanova, granted, but 55 points in a postseason elimination game with three blue chip prospects in the front court alone, two veteran guards with a boatload of experience, and they score 55 points. And look, I get sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the basket and they got plenty of good looks. So I don't know if you can necessarily say it's coaching, but it's also like, again, how do you not figure out better ways to skate? Cause they started fronting Dickinson and making the entry passes tougher. And so Eli Brooks and Dickinson, the two guys who are the soul and the spine of this team, they'll combine 11 for 30, but it's also like, you can't really blame them because nobody else was compellingly better where it's like, Oh man, we need to get this guy eight or 10 shots. No, Michigan got seven points from their bench. I mean, Villanova played a short bench as well. They only got eight, but I mean, with having, again, Brooks, who's a sixth year guy, who's always lauded as this vital leader and really savvy veteran. Devontae Jones finally was starting to live up to his billing the last couple of weeks of the season as the reigning Sunbelt player of the year when he came in. And again, three, at least NBA caliber front court guys with Houston and Diabate and Dickinson. But despite all that, Villanova had the best player on the court. And that was Jermaine Samuels. Um, I think he's going to be out for the final four with an injury or something. No, somebody else. Villanova is going to be shorthanded for the final four with an injury. Oh, wonderful. Of course they are. Yeah, right. Of course. Well, I mean, I came into it. I mean, the only mistake I made in my bracket this year was not putting Duke straight through to the final. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, There was no way they were not going to make it at least this far. But I do have Kansas winning it because, again, it's just a reminder that the conglomeration of resources is always going to prevail over, you know, valor or merit or moral superior. Like none of that stuff matters. It's just, do you have the most money that you can pile up and, and use that to defeat everyone? It's the late stages of monopoly game. And Kansas is one is the guy who has all the, like, there's a few different games going out at the same time in college sports. And like Kansas and North Carolina and Duke are the ones who have all the properties between jail and go and you're trying to land on luxury tax when you play them basically so so the thing is because it's the late stages of a game of monopoly i'm going to do what i always did in the late stages of monopoly when i was a kid i'm going to cry and throw shit everywhere and just you know i'm not going to play anymore (laughs) not a terrible result there given um, the unfortunate news that came illinois way earlier today but we're going to put a pin in that. Oh, you know, we'll mention it briefly. Well, you know, I was going to say, like, like if you're Michigan, if you're Juwan Howard, you're, you're, you're down in this tournament, uh, you know, in this tournament game to Villanova, you can, you can do what's gotten you this far, you know, because this was a team that had the pieces to be good, but it took a long time for them to figure it out. So you yeah. could keep doing that, or you could bench your point guard until he transfers. <laughs> right. Always a possibility. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, Villanova did go through and beat the best team in their region, five seed Houston. Yes, that is true. So it's not like there's anything fluky about it. Um, 
we're not going to do a full postseason review at this point. We, as a programming note, we will discuss each team's offseason moves as we get into um, B1G 2022, which is, of course, the week by week team preview for the football season. So we will discuss basketball in a little bit more of an in-depth nature there. But since Michigan was still alive, we'll talk about them a little bit. So a lot of things up in the air. I think it was either just earlier today or maybe last night. Um, Devontae Jones did say he's not going to use the COVID year. He's going to enter the NBA draft. I don't think as of a little while ago, anybody else had announced one way or another. Um, Eli Brooks is definitely out of eligibility. He used his COVID year this season. They have a guy in Brandon Johns who's sort of a reserve forward that could use that extra year, but it's always kind of felt like the pressure there doesn't agree with him necessarily. He has moments of brilliance, but he's never proven to be much more than a sometimes useful reserve. So it seems, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably not coming back, but I don't really know. And then they have three guys who are going to have NBA decisions, Houston and Diabate and Dickinson. I mean, Caleb Houston has a lot of potential, but he really didn't. He looks like a guy who needs another year in college. Diabate, I think, is probably the closest to pro ready, but he, again, also pretty raw, prone to foul trouble, like could use another year of coaching. But I still think he would probably sneak into the first round based on measurables. Dickinson is the interesting point because on offense, he's enough of a force that you have to imagine somebody's going to think they can use him. But if you put him in a high, in high ball screens and pick and roll defense, like he just, he can't move the way that NBA bigs have to be able to move. So I don't we know could if get that another year of college. We could get some disappointing news for Michigan. Obviously they're already got, they already got to be disappointed not only from the loss, but also from the fact that now Juwan Howard didn't even have the best slap of the year by someone that looks kind of like Will Smith. <laughs> That's right. Now you know, I was going to say, you know, Will Smith, looking like he could potentially play Juwan Howard in a biopic on some stilts and very well may do so in the next few years. You know how self-mythologizing these things can get. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but, uh, you know, I, I guess you got to give um, it, it actually is a bit of a, of a of more of a toss up than you'd think, because remember, Howard was reaching over a dude. The degree of difficulty was much higher in what Howard did than just walking up to an unguarded topic there. But I did like that Will Smith uh, held his slap of Chris Rock. He held the follow through like he was shooting a three pointer, you know, and you hold your follow through in the air <laughs> yeah. for a second. Yeah. And watch it, even, even whether you think it's going to go or not, stand there and watch it. Like it, the, the better thing to do would be either to get back or pursue your rebound. But yeah, shooters watch their shots. Um, and so, right. Of course, the other thing, of course, you have to you do have to remember that um, Howard's got the wingspan advantage there. So, despite the higher degree of difficulty, you'd expect him to be more likely to pull that shot off. Um, <laughs> but so to to wrap up the serious thought, it, Michigan has a pretty good recruiting class coming in next year. It's certainly not as good as this year's freshman class, but they have a couple guys that should be in the rotation right away. They're going to need. I mean regardless of what the front court guys do, they're going to be relying big time on Frankie Collins and Kobe Bufkin at the guard spots. And those guys didn't get a whole lot of run. I mean, Collins had some nice moments down the stretch this year, but you're going to be counting on similar. If they want to compete for the big 10 next year, they're going to need a similar jump out of one or both of those guys that we saw from Johnny Davis or Keegan Murray. 
So we know that that can happen, but that's what has to happen um, for Michigan as they're currently constituted to be a contender next year. And they're certainly going to need to hit the portal for some front court help, even if, I mean, unless all three of those guys return, which I guess is possible. And if that's the case, by all means, um, stand pat, but otherwise certainly get, and they may need, they may want to go to the portal to get a backup kind of two, three combo anyway. Um, which means they're probably going to be competing with Michigan state for Jalen bridges. And boy, do I hope that we end up winning that fight? Cause we need it bad. Um, all right. So we'll pivot then to the other big 10 team that was still alive this past week slash weekend, that being the Purdue Boilermakers. And I, you know, we commented this on this a bit last week. And I think I kind of feel like it's proven true already because outside of Purdue's own fan base and certainly that of their cross-state um, hated rivals, Indiana, who will be certain to rub it in their faces as often as they can. The fact that they um, had this measure of, of dick stomping against a St. Peter's team that they should have beaten easily is not going to be thought of as a face plant by anyone other than Purdue and Indiana fans. Because when there's a historic Cinderella run that ends up ending your postseason, nobody really like blames you for that. It's all, it's m- much more about the other team than it is about you. And it's also going to help Purdue's case for this to fade quickly in the public memory uh, that they weren't even the highest seed that St. Peter's beat. So, you know, um, I think that this is going to fade pretty quickly in everyone else's mindsets. It does enter into a you know pretty long pantheon now of Matt Painter NCAA tournament catastrophes. I, I won't list them off. Purdue fans, you know who they are, but I, like North Texas was was now not not even the most recent one anymore. And I do think that some game management has to come into question here. So we were talking about this before we started. Late in the game, um, it's tight. St. Peter's has a lead. Um, Zach Eadie's on the foul, the, is on the bench. The camera keeps cutting over to him, and he's just got this exasperated look. And you told me that uh, you, watching the game at a bar, came in at this point and assumed he had fouled out. Uh, was that the case? Yeah, they kept showing him on the bench with just, you know, that 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 guy that's fouled out look where he's just kind of got his head like halfway down, but then it's like turned, you know, it's like I turned about 60 I degrees. My team, and there's nothing more. And he's kind of slowly no. shaking his head, just like, ah. Oh. Damn it, man! This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, and and yeah, I just assumed he'd fouled out because why else would the seven foot four guy not be in for any of these last six minutes or so? Well, actually, he finished the game with zero fouls to his name, good friend. Um, in the early stages of the game, I mean, so he ends up going five for seven from the field. They could not check him on defense. Um, what ended up being the issue was they found ways to get the ball away from him. He turned it over five times, or at least he was credited with five turnovers. I mean, some of the entry passes are in spots that made it easier for the St. Peter's guys to get them. Um, but man, yeah, playing the seven foot four guy 17 minutes with zero fouls to his name against the St. Peter's team that I don't think starts a guy taller than six, eight or six, nine. Uh, it's a difficult strategy to understand. Cause again, offensively, they couldn't stop him. He, whatever little turnaround bank shots, all the stuff that he wanted to do, they didn't have anybody who could even kind of get in his way. Uh, and, and Matt Painter voluntarily took him out of the game instead of making the kinds of adjustments to, all right, here's how we'll swing around, attempt the empty pass from different angles. 
Um, or maybe Zach, you have to start a little further away from the basket to make sure it's a clean catch. Uh, I just don't know how you don't make an adjustment for that. And the other thing is Jaden Ivy had an equally terrible game. He goes only four for 12 from the field, one of six from deep, turns it over six times himself. He was in there 30 plus minutes, I think 34, 35, 36 minutes. Uh, they played Trivion Williams a lot more, and he was probably their best player, but still inefficient from the field, shot below 50%, even though he's in close to the rim most of the time. Um, he at least gave them better ball security, which presumably is why Painter stuck with him. And they have shown a tendency in the past to go to him in the closing stretch of tight games, kind of relying on that experience. And it's worked out well for them on a few occasions, but I just, uh, 17 minutes, man, for Zach Eady in, in an elimination game. And then if you look forward here, this is another team that's got potentially huge roster variants, right? So I think everyone assumes Jaden Ivey is gone. He's consistently mocked as a top five pick. Nobody could blame him for leaving. But he's uh, also consistently he's... mocked for losing to St. Peter's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, that's this is a thing that I think this goes right to the top because it is still a 15 seed man and i get that they made it to the second weekend but that doesn't mean you had to lose to them like you didn't have to let cinderella keep dancing do you realize that... what they would have had to do probably to win the title they would have had to knock off kentucky purdue north carolina duke and, duke. and kansas <laughs> that would have been the most incredible postseason run of all that, time that, in that's that's exactly when you're the good you're the protagonist in a fighting game and you have to knock off just in. I mean, I guess they weren't all all the way in order, but still, you got to just knock off all these evil entities. Yeah, and then presumably after they beat Kansas, they would have had to fight M. Bison. Like, <laughs> uh, so Ivy is almost certainly gone. Um, I believe Eric Hunter and Sasha Stefanovich are both out of eligibility as well, if I remember correctly. I think they're both using their COVID year right now. I could be wrong about that. Again. 14 rosters, guys. I do my best to keep track of all this stuff, but it's a lot. Um, Travion Williams, I believe, has the COVID year available. This should have been his fourth season, I think. Um, he has kind of dim NBA prospects, but I have to admit, like when he gets the opportunity, he has a decent stroke. It's not like he can't play on the perimeter, maybe a little bit slow-footed to guard, you know, stretch fours and fives in the NBA, but who isn't? And it's also a thing where it's like, at this point, isn't he kind of, you know, isn't he what he is and what's another year going to do for him? And then, I mean, I have no idea what Zach Eady's NBA prospects are. He, for his size, he's really not as slow footed as you would think, um, offers decent rim protection. He's definitely going to get turned inside out by some of the more nimble guys in the NBA, but like, that's going to be true of a lot of freshman bigs. So, or younger bigs rather. So It'll be interesting. There are a couple of guys with decisions to make here. They have some end of the bench guys. And I think Brandon Newman entered the portal, but he had basically fallen out of the rotation. So it could be an extremely different team next year. They've recruited well. And it kind of seems like at this point, Painter knows what he looks for and a pretty high caliber of player is willing to buy into that. But boy, this postseason thing, like, I don't know, man. It, we were also, I mean, the other thing we were talking about is, I ventured the opinion earlier in the season at some point that by the time he's done, Matt Painter will probably be a hall of fame coach by the counting stats. 
But if he never even makes a final four, let alone wins a national title, do some people hold that against him? Does the Purdue fan base get tired of this eventually? It'll be interesting to see. Because I do not think that they are like Iowa, where a season like this, where you actually win the Big Ten tournament and you're playing entertaining basketball, that the postseason results don't matter. That's there. That seems to be a little more of the vibe with Iowa. Is if we're competitive in the conference and we have something to show for it, that's good enough. Never mind the NCAA tournament. Well, not to mention there's systemic issues with Iowa's team and the NCAA tournament that we've discussed. How even if Purdue wasn't necessarily the best team in the Big Ten, they were the Big Ten team best built to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament because, because they should have been the team best insulated against the bad shooting night from three, which is what's going to happen to you in the tournament at some point, whether it's the ball or the rims or being tired with the second game in three days or whatever, sooner or later, you're going to have a bad shooting night. Do you yeah, have that at some point in the NCAA tournament, you're going to shoot like 35%. You might not ever shoot more than that because you can't score more than 54 points. So, uh, you know, that would be a, that would be a thick unheard of. Um, so, well, you know, a lot of questions as far as the roster goes, but that's going to be true with every roster. Questions in the uh, in the early part of the offseason, that's going to be par for the course for everybody. Forget about thinking that you know what your depth chart looks like next next year because you don't. Um, sooner, or I mean, in the next year or two, guys will no longer have this COVID year to use, and things will normalize a little bit. You'll at least know how many years guys have left for sure. Um, but the transfer portal is a thing that's here to stay, and it's it's going to make for unpredictability from one year to the next. I think it's going to be unusual for teams to have two or three year runs where they're on top of their conference because your depth guys are not going to be content to be depth guys. Um, they're going to go somewhere where they can play faster. And <laughs> as you've said, even guys who are starters might just decide, nah, I'm going to see what else is out there. Um, that's especially true at the mid and mid major and low major teams where if you have a star player, forget about keeping him. He's going to try to go somewhere else and um, probably to the benefit of the big 10 ultimately, but it just makes it so difficult to predict from one year to the next. Well, look, I need to talk about something that happened in the elite eight. Okay. Two former, uh, two members of the 2020 DePaul blue demons, uh, one, Charlie Moore, by way of Memphis to Cal to Kansas, and then DePaul to Miami, Charlie Moore, a, a, a former John Gross recruiting target, uh, playing against a former John Gross signee in Jalen Coleman Lance, who, of course, went from Illinois to DePaul to Iowa State to Kansas. So between the two of them, that's, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you have, in theory, nine different teams, but there's two duplicates because both played at Kansas and both played at DePaul, but not Kansas at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that may be an offseason project to map out the genealogy of the circle of uh, of the the transitive circle of loss, the transitive loss circle of trash for each of those guys, because it would be. A, a rich and varied it would be like the the family tree of genghis khan basically if you were to trace his descendants like you you're gonna you're gonna find a lot more than you ever reasonably would have thought would be the case so we may we may archive that in terms of off-season projects that's something we're looking into we might have to get some of our 
our research interns on. I don't yeah, know just, how you yeah. can really collect more jerseys than Charlie Moore did. <laughs> well, I no, I don't think it's. But I, yeah, I, I the don't Octavio think... Dotel of college basketball. Keith Van Horn. The JT I... O'Sullivan. <laughs> Yeah, that absolutely. Those those are, by the way, the two guys, NFL and uh, Major League Baseball. Those are the guys with the most that have played yeah. for the most teams. Yeah, the Matt Stairs of uh, <laughs> college basketball. So we'll touch on the Final Four briefly. I do not plan. Do we on have to? No, like just for a second. Um, Villanova is the only responsible team to root here for here. If you're still keeping an eye on it, if you're genuinely interested, or maybe you're alive in your bracket pool. Um, the only reason you would do anything else is if you think that Villanova's ascendance to true blue blood status, which they probably would if they win a third title inside of a decade. Maybe uh, their fourth could, overall, by the way. Yeah, that could be a threat to the station of your program, especially if you are Indiana or Michigan State. That kind of makes sense. Otherwise, in this conference, you are deluding yourself a bit if you think Villanova isn't a better program than yours already. Um because no, they beat us for Jason Tatum. How much more can they really hurt us? Villanova? I thought Tatum went to Duke. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm thinking of Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, he won two national titles there. Hard to hard to fault him. Consider the alternatives, though. Coach K exiting on top would be absolutely fucking nauseating. Dollar Bill is a complete shitbag. And a North, I mean, Hubert Davis is by far the least offensive of the three of them, but he's at North Carolina and he would be yep. a North Carolina coach winning a title in year one, which would vault them straight back to the top of the sport. Of these four schools, the one with the longest title drought is Kansas from 2008. Yeah. So it, look, the options here are shit wall to wall, except for that one little patch in the corner, which is Jay Wright winning, because he actually seems to be a kind of acceptable human. Completely you know what? bizarre for this level of the sport. After the last break in the cycle of 2006 Florida, we had two more first-time NCAA tournament winners, and they were Virginia and Baylor. Gross. That's what it takes. That's, that's what we have to allow for someone else to break into the crowd. So anyway, that'll bring... Next our... one will be Liberty Biberty? <laughs> right. So unless Villanova wins in truly hilarious fashion, we are not going to be recapping the Final Four championship game. We do not give a shit. Um, as we mentioned earlier, this will bring our season of broadcasting for the Blocking Charge cast to a conclusion. Unless something really, really interesting happens, and then maybe we'll hop back on. We thank you all for hanging with us. Um, we have gotten a lot of assistance from a broad array of contributors you know not from any teams like purdue or iowa who were winning stuff in the conference <laughs> or wisconsin or anything can't have contributors from those teams show up um because they're they don't, they're not good basketball schools so anyway that will be the end of our broadcast year we thank you all for joining us please do swing on back like rate subscribe and join us for the football reviews once we get started in big 2022. We look forward to seeing you all then. Oh boy. Maybe we'll have more dog wrestling. Who knows? Uh, these things are unpredictable. Uh, we, we don't have any dogs in the transfer portal right now. We don't anticipate having any dog scholarships to give away, but you never know how these things go.
All right. I mean, there's nothing else to talk about. No, yeah, good enough spot. That I didn't. I was. I was like, I gotta have some kind of rejoinder here. But yeah, I, I've I've been over basketball for. I mean, you know, I watched like a lot of the rest of the day that Illinois lost, and I like late in the day, I was just like, "What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Why am I doing this to myself? Like, I, like, why don't I just take my hand off the fucking stove?" <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, I could like even if it doesn't actually hurt anymore, I can physically see my skin bubble in a way. <laughs> well, the only thing is really like the weather has just been absolute shit. Like it has if there was anything better that I could be doing with my time, instead I would be, but they're really garbage. Isn't. Absolute um, garbage. I keep yeah. I got those spots from when uh when you know the fourth of july we weren't here to water our front lawn and now it's all dirt oh yeah and i've been meaning to you know um to cultivate and reseed that shit but i keep looking for when it's gonna not freeze overnight and it looks like tomorrow (laughs) is gonna be my next opportunity well honestly most of the cold what most of the uh cold wire seeds like uh, kentucky blue and all that shit will be okay in frost um, I've even heard, I didn't think to do it this year, but I think it was also like the last snow was when we were gone, but I've heard that for overseeding, if your lawn's thinning out and you just want to thicken it up a little bit, that what some people will do is you just apply the grass seed while there's still a layer of snow before it melts, because as the snow melts, the moisture activates the grass and then it supposedly takes a little faster. Um, but yeah, we gotta do that in our yard because Minnie's a fucking Clydesdale so uh it's just a chewed up mud. well it's a frozen chewed up mud pit right now but um it's supposed to be like upper 50s and rain Wednesday and Thursday so well I mean I'll tell you what like uh if we if our lawn gets that too much like I don't want I'm not going to try too hard in our front lawn because I might be able to you know if we are in fact headed for just hot dry summers here where we're fucking Arizona might be able to more easily sell Leah on a no lawn if I if I can convince her that we just we cannot support grass in the front without using chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff in our backyard should be fine because it's mostly shaded. Um, but yeah, the front lawn usually turns to straw. I mean, last summer actually didn't it rain quite it rained quite a bit. Yeah, like deep into the summer, much later than it usually does, which was bad in the other direction. Yeah, so. but it was also very hot. Like I said, when we were really, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it was just when we were out of the weekend on Fourth of July. It was hot and a hundred. It was dry and a hundred degrees, and so our lawn just died and never recovered. <laughs> now there's these big dirt patches. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's all I got. So I'll, uh, yeah, Diamond, take it easy. I'll talk to you around sometime. Uh, yeah. So eight days from now, it's gonna be the only fucking city game I can do till I have no idea when. Yeah, I, I should definitely be able to do that. But then, well, I was going to say that the pit road trip is still like two full months away. I'm going to try my goddamn just to make that happen, man. Well, I mentioned to Chris, I mean, that's my birthday is the following Tuesday. So I wouldn't mind doing a little. Well, because, you know, like we've been to Pittsburgh. Leah has family in Pittsburgh. We've yeah. done a few cool things in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh's pretty fun. Um, yeah. No, it is. I've I've only been there once or twice, but I've always liked it. 
Well, do you do you like birds? Because <laughs> seriously, unless you fucking hate birds, like unless you actively hate all birds, aviary is worth a look. Um, and that part, I mean, just the other thing is just like the downtown area, and I'm sorry, the downtown area. Downtown, um, I, downtown, downtown for a couple hours. And I've I've still never actually been up Mount Washington, so that's apparently the thing to do is you take the tramway up Mount Washington and look at the city at night. So that I think could potentially be pretty cool. We might also have somewhere to stay free. I don't know how many people they'd put up, but yeah. All right. Yeah. No, well, uh, as, as it gets a little closer, we'll definitely have to look into it, but all right, man, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. Take it easy. Yep. See ya. All right. Your source for big and talk, it's off tackle and